This is L'Inconnu Conversations, and I'm your host, Leila Gresh, founder and director of L'Inconnu Art Gallery. In this period of quarantine, where we are all physically isolated from our communities, we connect in a digital sphere as a means to remain interconnected. I opened up the podcast to informal conversations with friends of the gallery, artists, curators, dealers, collectors, etc., members of the community, you could say, to express and share between each other and also extend it out to our audience as to what is happening right now and, and what has happened and All right. Well, thank you, Dala Nasser, for being on the podcast today. Could you start by telling us where you are and a bit about your background and artistic practice, for lack of a better generality? (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for having me. All right. Yes, I'm in Beirut, Lebanon. Uh, I have been here since early March. I am a First year painting graduate at uh, Yale. Prior to that, I did my undergrad in London at the Slade School of Art, and I lived in Beirut for for the most of my career, I suppose. And once I graduated, I moved back here. I worked for about two, yeah, two years, two three years, and then I moved back to the West. <laughs> <laughs> and and now I surprised moved back home. Because yeah. <laughs> Because of the uh, virus. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've been just kind of, um, I just completed my first year on Zoom. So, yeah, I know that's like a really interesting experience, which was going to be my next question because you're in a really unique position right now. What was that like completing your first year and your crit? And what were your classes like and interactions with students? And Yeah. It was really. I wouldn't necessarily consider myself an anxious person, but it was definitely like a very anxiety-inducing moment. Even though, you know, my professors and my classmates and everyone, like everyone was doing their best to be there and be present. But it was really difficult, to be honest, because obviously I'm a painter and it's a studio-based kind of program. And all of a sudden, no one has any access to studios. And I had to just kind of up and leave. So I don't even have photos of my work. Like my my studio just has everything kind of like left the way they were, you know. Mm -hmm. So coming back here and having to continue the year with no studio. I obviously don't have a studio in Beirut anymore since I left. No material either. And ignore even that, just no capacity to make work. Because the second that I got here, they shut down the airport and there was like a full lockdown. So there was no way for me to do anything all I had was a camera and my laptop so it was definitely in a way just very stressful like I set you know my work aside to come here to do my master's degree and I just kind of wanted I think everyone everyone in the same position as me just wants to make the most out of their experience there to take you know advantage of the facilities to to just make the most out of this and get an education and it was uh, scary having to come back here and feel that um, that somehow you wouldn't be doing any of it justice. But that said, in the end, it was really liberating and it was challenging in a, in a really interesting way. You know, it was really great seeing everyone like make artwork out of nothing, essentially, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. so or more conceptual. It definitely, 
Yeah, like it definitely put us all to the test. Like that yeah. was the point. Yeah. And at first I thought, oh, is this like a botched first year? But no, actually, I think that this is definitely like a very hard taste of what it's like to be an actual artist and mm-hmm. have a career. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that, you know, we just have to roll with the punches and like in conclusion, I feel like the dots have somehow connected for me at least. And I don't, I don't feel... It went as well as it could go. I mean, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Like, yeah. I'm not gonna cry over not like being able to have any paint. Like that's yeah. just yeah. Like I'll live. Uh, you know, need to make sure I don't you know get sick and get my family sick. And did they say anything about the fall? Would it still be done remotely, or they don't know yet? We don't know yet, but I believe that I I'm I'm hoping that there will be studio access. Yeah. But I mean, I can imagine it's difficult. Every like on the news, they keep saying that there's going to be a second um, wave. Yeah. Second wave in the states. It's going to be worse. So I I know everyone's just kind of terrified, and there's just like a lot of gossip you hear, like other universities going online, and I I don't know. I mean, like every university is in a very precarious situation. I don't know how much like room they have to even negotiate like yeah, what they call. can do yeah hopefully we find out soon enough i definitely don't want to be doing any more zoom classes with a seven hour time difference it was super weird being in class at 2 a.m oh my <laughs> gosh just... yeah that's intense so did you go home for a spring break or a midterm break and then just not go back type thing yeah, pretty much. And yeah. we were lucky that we were on spring break. I mean, yeah. I think if we were in university, I wouldn't have been able to even think, like, could I book a ticket? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I I can't really, honestly, it happened so fast. Like, when I got here, we still didn't know what would happen. I think, like, they had just postponed the term. And then, like, two days later, quickly, they were like, no, 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 like, it's all going to be online. So... I was, I was lucky. I was on one of the last flights in. Now it's super complicated to come to Beirut. I have a lot of friends that are like stuck abroad and wish they could come um, come Beirut back, which is so ironic because this has been like a place that most of us have spent like a big portion of our lives. Trying to get out of. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, it's so good in Beirut. <laughs> yeah, but you shared your pit crit with me, right? Is that the correct terminology? Yes, yeah, yeah. It's, it's called the pit because it's like a large room that you can uh, see from above. above like you enter the building and you can look down into the pit. Oh, that's okay. where we hang our work. Oh, okay, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Like an aquarium or something. Yeah, it's definitely very intimidating. You know, it's called the pit. <laughs> it just adds to it. But, um, yeah, like in Beverly Hills 90210 and they meet at the peach pit or <laughs> Basically, yeah, yeah. No, it's like... No, for sure. But like, I think every student, like a big part of being at Yale is the mm-hmm. spit grit because it's open. People come to see it from different programs from around the school. You spend an hour and a half discussing your work, essentially. Mm-hmm. And obviously, like, this is one of the programs that they, you know, take pride on, you know, the level of uh, discourse that goes down there. So I think everyone... Everyone works towards their pit. And that's, at least for me, that's how I was working towards my year. Yeah. And uh, it did not happen. <laughs> so I had to present on Zoom. And I I didn't want to show, like, diagrams of what would could have been or work that could have been there. Like, mm-hmm. I, I didn't really want to discuss the whole situation under that kind of guise. It's like... This is what you would be seeing if there wasn't, you know, a global pandemic. Like, let's just, you know, cut the, 
cut the crap and go yeah. stick to it like that. Yeah, <laughs> like like the the like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is gonna change the art world severely. Like, can we discuss that now? Yeah, totally. And do you have it around close to you to read something from it? Oh, I know my laptop, but I could. But honestly, I know this this sounds really corny, but it's like such like a passionate thing for me that I feel a little bit awkward reading it in my own voice. Okay. Well, I so was going to feel the same. Would you like to read yeah, any parts that you like? Yeah, okay. sure. Well, the part that I wanted to bring up was the last paragraph or sentence of the second page. Because I felt that that was a really good core. Let me get my email. Let me get my doc. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, sure. Yeah, just start reading it now. I'll find it. Okay. <laughs> All right. I had already lost my work without seeing it for myself. I lost access to my money in the bank, which I had saved up by selling work. I also lost my opportunity to be on the streets here, to storm public squares with my people. I lost the chance to stand in a collective and fight for our rights. And now we all sit here separately in our respective homes, watching numbers of infections and deaths go up every single day. Yeah. I mean, it's a mood. Yeah. Definitely. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I was definitely I mean I still feel like shit obviously it's not it's, it's not fun but um do you want me to read more do you, is there any other yeah no if, if there's more that resonates with you to kind of explain a bit more context around that but I found that that just really summed up the impact that this pandemic has had on you and your work and your practice and just you as a human and as a Lebanese citizen okay. you know <laughs> That, no, that's that's you're making me feel really emotional. That's it's really interesting to hear this because I mean I've always written like in notes to my work, but I've never actually put in anything that I've written out like that. It's always been you know whatever I write, a curator changes to a certain degree, yeah. you know, and gets put out there. So it's the first time I've shared something that I've really written, and mm-hmm. and so it's it's a strange feeling, you know, having done this for a while, showing artworks, you're kind of used to how to talk about these things or how to approach them, and then. To share like a piece of writing and um, see how people respond to it. It just feels a lot more, I don't want to sound corny, but it, just, it definitely feels a lot more closer than an artwork, which is a bizarre thing to say coming from <laughs> someone who's an artist. But like, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I do feel like it, it's given me lucky that I was able to share this with people and have a conversation about it. It mm-hmm. definitely feels like it's brought me closer to everyone who gets to look at it. So. But yeah, some of the context, well, I'll explain. Basically, um, <laughs> oh, this is such a long story. It goes back to October 17th, <laughs> 2019. Yeah. There was a revolution that started on the streets of Beirut, basically. And I was in New Haven at the time. So I was not present here at all. And it was something that I just watched through my phone, essentially. And it was a very bizarre experience, to be honest. If I was in a city like London or New York or anywhere where there was kind of a little bit more of an international community. I don't know if I would have felt the same way, but I was in a small city, you know, that I've never been to before. (laughs) And I don't think there were any other Lebanese people around. There were like two Arab Americans in the whole university, (laughs) you know, like it was just, it was one of these moments where I couldn't really speak Arabic Mm -hmm. and no, no one, no one around me was even remotely aware of what was going on. Mm -hmm. 
And it was just something so seismic that was happening back home. It was something massive, you know, for my friends and my family and, and for myself. Like, this is something that I've, uh, you know, I don't consider myself a diaspora artist at all. I, I would be really insulted if anyone said this to me because <laughs> if anyone in Lebanon didn't respond to my work, then I feel like I've done the job wrong, to be honest. So it was very strange for me, you know, to be so far away and watch something like so massive happen and watch it through Instagram, you know, was just like even more, even more bizarre because you get to see like live videos and you see where your friends are and you start to panic. And it was weird, like trying to sit through classes and make art, you know, in such a controlled environment, you know, is what it felt like. And I felt that I obviously wanted to be here and I want to be on the streets and I want to be a part of this because I'm from here and it's not like, oh, I'm leaving. I'm never coming back. That was never, that was never my plan in life. Yeah. And I want, I want to like fight for a future here, a future that I want to be a part of. Mm-hmm. And it did, it felt like a loss, like quite frankly, it felt like a very real loss because this is it. Like I, even though I was posting stuff on social media, I was not here and in a revolution, you know, there's like power in numbers. You have yeah. to be physically on the streets, closing yeah. down roads, you know burning tires, cursing cops, whatever. Like, yeah. you have and to just for, be there. Yeah, and, and that I was for your it. generation as well. Like, every generation in Lebanon has had their moment, and this was yours, you know? Yeah. <laughs> no, for sure, yeah, this was it. And, yeah. and uh, some background info, like, uh, in, in 2015, a, a small, something portion the size of this had started to happen. It came into motion because of the garbage crisis, and everyone hit the streets, and everyone was protesting against the government and then it just you know got shut down and this time it was it was it like the country has continued to just free fall it's continued to go to shit you know 2015 is a very long time ago (laughs) like it's way just got way worse now and Mm -hmm. my decision to go to Yale was very much also a part of how living here just became more and more difficult it became really hard to be an artist based in Beirut it was very hard to make work and take it abroad Mm -hmm. very few galleries or exhibitions really had like a budget for this sort of thing and Mm -hmm. and there is only so much you can do you know like rent is very expensive and you're not making any money and there aren't any like galleries like i i'm you know an artist isn't represented so i didn't have like an income that could sustain such a precarious career in a city that you know living expenses here are far more than what you get Mm -hmm. like and so the decision, obviously, to go do my master's is to, you know, build up a better future, you know, for myself and for whatever, <laughs> whatever, basically, just to kind of get to that next stage. Yeah. And it felt weird. It felt, felt bad, like, just being away from everything that was happening here. You know, like, I, I didn't feel like my decision to go to apply myself to, to move to the States. You know, I had never even traveled to the States. It was my first time in America, like, to up and do this on my own. Yeah was you know me trying to take like my fate into my own hands and then this happened in Beirut and this is obviously equally if not more important I didn't I honestly didn't really know how to negotiate it like especially with my work I didn't know how to approach making work at the time like that it was definitely a very outer body experience It, it was difficult but it got more difficult in January when I came back after like visiting Beirut it was very clear that just the change to the city was so massive, you know, and if I wasn't there for it. And it was it was definitely important, you know, it was like for my work. I mean, 
mm-hmm. ignore all everything else, all the obvious things. It was definitely important for me as an artist to have to have had the sort of loss because it definitely put me in a position where I had to question uh, a lot of things about how I make work and why I make work and and just the future of my career. And I think that what I had written for the Pit Crit and, and at least the section that you brought up yeah. very much kind of hints that these were the thoughts that I was having you know, at the time mm-hmm. or that I am having now anyway. But yeah. the pandemic, it wasn't something that just started on its own, at least for me or my work. Like yeah. it, it started to happen with the, the revolution and the financial crisis in Lebanon. We were already heading towards like this difficult like a crashing infrastructure yeah yeah like things like screeching to a stop essentially so when the pandemic happened it just felt like a yeah it felt like a natural progression of like more loss Mm -hmm. you know not just for me just generally because also your work was in Beirut at the time of this revolution in October right Yes, yeah, I this was like a highlight of my career. I love saying this as an introduction because it's a very ironic story. Yeah, I was uh, I was commissioned, it was the first time I was commissioned to make an artwork, so that in and of itself was huge. Yeah, it was in a homeworks eight series of shows that's kind of like the, as close to a biannual as you can get, you know, here. Yeah, it was this massive thing that they had Ashkel Alwan had spent months, if not a year at least. Uh, probably a year preparing for I had curators from all over curating these shows and I was in a show curated by Nora Razian and I was very lucky it, it was a small show I think we were about six artists and the only other Arab artist was Mona Hatoum which is like yeah insane <laughs> insane to see my work in the same room as her yeah. and also to be like I decided to apply to Slade because I had read on her Wikipedia page that that's where she went. You know? <laughs> I was like, how do I emulate this successful Arab female artist? Yeah. And it was, it was huge for me. I was so excited. I had spent a year working on, almost a year, like most part of the year, working on mm-hmm. a singular artwork, this massive piece that finally you know, entailed uh, the research that I wanted to get into in my work. I had made a piece based on the water distribution in Lebanon, essentially. And how even though we are the most water, so what are we looking for here? We have the most amount of water in the Middle East, essentially. Yeah. You know, we have lots of rivers and creeks and whatnot. We don't get clean water. About 56% of the country also have access to water. It's like a very contentious issue. Mm. And um, depending on where you live, essentially in Beirut, you know, you have like different tasting water. It can mm-hmm. be salt water in this area. It can be something else in another and the reason for that is a lot of flood water gets into the the plumbing, essentially, mm-hmm. and because we have a like, horrible water infrastructure. The corrupt government kept taking loans at the end of the, when the civil war ended to rebuild the infrastructure, and obviously they did none of that. Yeah. And we get shit tainted water. Like, <laughs> no, like it's it's toxic. We just get toxic water. How are you supposed to like you know live? It was it was a massive thing and. I made this huge piece, like close to six meters, like something massive. And it was kind of a patchwork where I grew um, salt using the water that I collected from these different spillage sites to make like a sort of like hydro map of Beirut, essentially. Mm-hmm. I was super proud of it. Looked amazing. It was next to one Hatoum. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, was commissioned. Like it was, it was wonderful. I was so happy. Yeah. It opened the night of the revolution. Which is even more like, which, you know, 
means a lot, obviously. People literally went from the show to the streets and it yeah. was like a huge FOMO for me. <laughs> but um, the show shut down, obviously, in solidarity with the protests. Mm-hmm. And shortly thereafter, the exhibition site flooded and my six meter piece was, you know, draped on the ground. And it got destroyed by the very material that, that made created. it. Yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. It's so poetic. Like, I can't help but laugh. <laughs> yeah. And this is something I didn't mention in the piece of writing. I want to say that, like, I think as a young artist, I very much used to feel like with every show you get, you know, every opportunity, and it's also exciting. You kind of like put this dynamic in your head, like, this is it. This is it for me. Like, yeah. this is my moment. Yeah. This is my show. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, this is going to be it. I'm going to take off. You know, I'm going to have a career. And it's always like this be all end all. And it never really is. Like, truthfully, I've, I've had so many, like, different situations where I felt, you know, this is going to be it. But it isn't. And I, I realized that, like, after losing this work and this show, that, you know, hopefully opportunities just get better and you see yourself amongst your idols. And obviously these opportunities matter and do really mean a lot and they do kind of give you the fuel for for you to keep going but mm-hmm. that's not really how at least to me that's not what being an artist looks like it seems like this career you just kind of have to stick around like that's yeah. kind of it you just have to keep swimming that's, yeah, yeah you know yeah even if you win an award even if you get like a blue chip gallery it doesn't really matter like you just have to stay in the game yeah like no matter what you just have to keep your head up yeah, nor should the fact of being in a prestigious museum collection or being with a blue chip gallery stop you from being challenged in the ways in which you create your work, you know, because it's your practice will always be yours regardless of the external context in which it's placed. For sure. Yeah, well, for sure, for sure. But like, I, you know, all of my aspirations, career aspirations that I have, I, I hope I will get them. The key to getting them is just doing this long enough. Yes, like, that's just totally. actually how I genuinely feel. It's yeah. like, don't stop. Like, it's a hard job. There's no there's no real structure. It's like, obviously, to a certain extent, it's a ladder, but it's definitely, like, the most shoddy, horribly put-together ladder that you will yes. ever have to climb. Yeah, and I mean, I can relate <laughs> on the other side as well. It's about sticking around for sure and through a lot of rejection. Oh, for sure, for sure. And... I mean, I also, like, it's a certain extent, like, being from the Middle East, you assume that maybe it's different, maybe it's different abroad, but but it's not. I mean, it's more or less the art world is, obviously, it's a different scene, it's a different game that you're playing, but at the end of the day, it's more or less the same. Like, it's the same career, you know, like, some things are more difficult here, some things are more difficult there, but at the end of the day, you know, it is really down to just not stopping. Yeah. You know, this is one of the things... And I mean, and this is the thing with the pandemic, like, that I wanted to, you know, talk about mm-hmm. in what I had written is that obviously this is an extremely precarious career and um, not as an artist. I'm talking, about, I'm talking about art workers. Mm-hmm. It's not down to like people producing the work. This is galleries, art installers, every single person who's in this circle, in the sphere, yeah. knows how difficult it is. And obviously this situation only makes it infinitely more difficult (laughs) you know it's like I feel sad to think that and on the terms of just like the economy like oh yeah you know the Amazons will exist you know at the Mm -hmm. end of this pandemic this is just kind of how it's looking like with the art world like I I you know I hope that 
all the experimental up and coming young artists, galleries, curators, blah, blah, blah. Everyone just can manage to figure out their funds to keep going. Because mm-hmm. I don't want this to end and like the other side look like just like Gagosians yeah. and, uh, <laughs> and nothing. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. No, totally. And I think that like emerging galleries are, they're able to weather it a bit better. It's more so, I guess, like the mid-sized galleries, which already, you know, that is like the kind of lopsided of the art market but I think also it has if anything reinforced the importance like there's no replicating the experience of seeing an exhibition in person you know like all these online viewing rooms I mean all it is is installation shots online with prices you know like you just yeah you can't I mean, mimic it yeah <laughs> so I think the fact that I, I mean I don't want to get like sentimental but the fact that Lascaux like still exists and people still go see it I think there will come a time where we will be able to physically interact with art again and I mean that's already starting to prove itself in Europe but yeah I think that definitely there are needing to be new I guess antibodies built off of that to extend perhaps its accessibility but it will never be able to be replicated through an online sphere yeah no for sure yeah I just find it so how badly timed that these fairs are still happening. I, I know, know, and wow. they keep postponing, and we just, yeah, and, like, who's going to travel, and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I wish I... I would love to be able to sell some work at the moment and get some money in. Obviously, yeah. everyone's, like, thinking about their rainy day funds, but yeah. this is really odd to me. Like, anyone in this, like, in the right mind is thinking about buying art right now. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I put it under your pillow. Like, who knows what's going to happen? <laughs> no, no, totally. And and I do think that art fairs were this kind of other side of the online because in a sense they were bringing things internationally for short periods of time but still relying on the in-person experience. But now that can be mimicked maybe more so digitally, more effectively. But I am happy as like a young gallerist that the importance of fairs might be kind of leveled out a little bit because that is a huge struggle for a lot of galleries starting out like in terms of acceptance and like all the costs as well going into the fairs. So mm-hmm. I think that gives a little more autonomy back to the galleries as well. And I guess you've already pretty much addressed this, but how do you think COVID will change your work and and what have you noticed with the other artists that were in your program, like how they reacted to it from what you've observed digitally, like through social media or just through research online? I think everyone's just trying to make do what they can. I think people are approaching making work at this moment as a more act of self-care, at least. I don't see people like trying to think, at least in my program, trying to think so massively, like this is what I'm going to do for this massive room, like a pit or this or an exhibition. I think people are able to kind of relax and do work that they enjoy making and mm-hmm. thinking kind of through that, thinking mm-hmm. through each piece that they make rather than making a piece for an end goal. Mm-hmm. So I think it's it, it was a healthy kind of progression. In my case, I think with COVID and losing my painting and not being here in the revolution, <laughs> I think it forced like all of these sort of unfortunate events or whatever you want to call them I mean like there is definitely a silver lining but um and and this is it I think it's kind of forced me to think about the physical limitations of my work and I'm a material-based artist especially like as an abstract artist seeing my work in person 
is what it falls down to at yes. the end. You know, yes. like I, the whole point of being material based is to have really specific materials and for mm-hmm. them to act in a certain way. Mm-hmm. So I've hit kind of these blocks where, okay, well now it's going to be digital. Now it's going to be that. And I found an interesting way <laughs> to, <laughs> <Yeah>. work, <laughs> to work with that and around it, like without stopping being a material based artist, just a way to be able to translate what I do beyond just like being able to see it face to face in a gallery just uh, so I'm excited I think uh, all of this distance mm-hmm. social distancing whatever all of the <laughs> studio distancing me, <laughs> yeah I mean yeah like it's, it's given me the capacity to assess what really works and what doesn't work yeah, yeah. and how to figure yeah. out what to do like I you know cut the bullshit there's no you know there are no like that's it we're going straight in this is the situation it's kind of given me like a courage to take more, you know, jump in the deep end. Yeah. 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 No, that's you know, good. Like, let's go for it. And like, it's, it's not even about editing. It's just about like throwing yourself in. Like, you know, this is it. What do you and have to lose? Especially because I'm going <laughs> into my final year. Yeah. So my last question is the question that I've been asking everyone. And it's what's your quarantine routine? Oh, God. <laughs> Sorry, I want to be, I want to be one of these people who says that they have a routine. Yeah. I want to be like, no, I'm loving this and I'm taking care of myself. <laughs> like, I, it's oscillating. Like, I'll, yeah. I'll be good and I'll be good one day. I'll yeah. be bad the next day. My routine is now that I'm like not in university, I don't have a routine anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just been like stuffing my face with food and <laughs> Netflix. It's horrible. It's horrible. So yeah. I'm, uh, this is, uh, you know. It's not I'm, behavior I'm, you want to share. <laughs> it's not something to share own. online. That's going to be like, <laughs> I wish I could be better than yeah. that and pretend I have a routine and everything's in place. But no, I, at the moment, I'm figuring it out as it comes. It's just a day-by-day thing. Yeah. As soon as yeah. I started to have one, we ended up in like a five-day shelter in place. So my routine for the next five days is Netflix. Yeah. And reading. That's good. That's good. That's healthy. <laughs> <And> it- <laughs> <laughs> well, have you watched um, Unbelievable on Netflix? No. Okay. I'm so, just like, so. it came out several months ago, but I'm just getting into it now. And it is so good. You have to watch it. Okay. I will. Somehow I've run out of like series or whatever to watch on Netflix. So I've gone through like all their classic movies and I've been trying to watch everything that I haven't seen. Yeah. And it's kind like, of biting me in the ass because like I've started to watch Scarface. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, like, I don't know if I'm going to finish it to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, like kind of like on the plane. I, Sometimes I start a movie and I'm like, I actually really don't want to watch this. And I like close it after 10 minutes. Me. Exactly, exactly. My Netflix like relationship is definitely. It's like I should be like, watching this. <laughs> yeah. It's terrible. Like I want yeah. I want a routine. I mean I hope everyone else answered this better with some like No, insight, everyone was but, kinda yeah. caught off guard, but some people did have good answers, but also at the same time I can relate that that it does change and, and sometimes it's just about like getting by and then also other times it's like, about taking advantage of the fact that you don't need to necessarily have a routine so you can look after yourself in other ways that normally like a structured day wouldn't allow for so right. yeah 
this has to end though soon. Like I'm, yeah, I'm saying, no, no, I'm getting to that point as well. Yeah. So you can like buy some time being a slob. Yeah. But I can't do this until August. Yeah. I've been having way too many bizarre dreams that I'm sure are linked to the lack of routine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, thank mm-hmm. you so much, Dala, for taking the time and speaking at like almost what, 1 a.m. now in Beirut. <laughs> <laughs> No, thank you for having me. I, this was fun. Mm-hmm. Hope I did not ramble. No, but that's that's also <laughs> just like the nature of the conversation as well. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I just tried to say it as much as it is as much as possible. So this is the situation here. <laughs> yeah, but thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.